Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week of the Logos of Love podcast. I am here, Kyle Priestley, along with Chris Barber. Chris, how you doing? Doing good. It's good to be back. I had a little, a little bit, bit of a hiatus. Yeah, a little bit of an extended break. So I'm I'm glad that we're able to get back together and and uh, talk about God and and I'm just excited for today's conversation. So yeah, good. Um, good trip in California. I mean, it was your Niners didn't make it to Super Bowl, but you did my Cowboys. So and at yeah. least the Eagles lost. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I was actually the the Niners Cowboys game. I think I sent you a picture. Mm-hmm. I was actually at the stadium, but uh, I don't have the money to. I wouldn't spend the money on that. But it would have been cool. But uh, instead, we just went down to the stadium and took pictures of me being at the stadium instead yeah. of going to the game. And then we watched it at my uncle's house, which is literally five minutes away from the stadium. So, um. And that game, I mean, I was, we had a good time for that game. Then the next game, I mean, I, I had problems watching it to the end. The Niners-Eagles was not, uh, I mean, just injuries was not exactly a fun game to watch. So, yeah. But um, anyways, the trip, though, in California was awesome. I got to spend a lot of time with uh, my granddad. Uh, he turned 100. Um, and That's pretty cool. Spent a lot of time with him and a lot of time with family. I got to see all sorts of family members that I, some of them that I rarely get to see. As you can imagine, you know, someone turning 100, that brings everybody together. So yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I just, I really was blessed um, and had a really good time. I got to take my daughter with me too. And I feel like we bonded really well um, as well. So o- overall, I think it was a really, really good trip uh, despite the Niners not doing so well at, at the Eagles game. So, right. How about you? Have you been good? Yeah, I did the last couple weeks been doing home renovations and got two sliding glass door put in downstairs and upstairs, uh, help of a friend of mine. Uh, and then came up from North Carolina to help me do that. Uh, him and his family. That was good. And then this last weekend or the last two weekends, it's been doing, flooring and painting and then this this last weekend was putting in the flooring and finished that up last night so that's done and have a little bit of a break here i'm uh i'm heading to michigan on saturday um driving up taking a vehicle that i'm i have that gonna end up selling up there instead of down here so taking that up and then flying back the following not the not next tuesday the tuesday after so um it'll be Gonna be Michigan. Um, gonna go to so a little bit of somber topic to kind of just want to talk about a little bit. Um, shortly today uh, or last night, Michigan State shooting. Uh, those of you listen to this will be a few a few days later after it happened. So I've been that's been really heavy on me today. Well, I didn't go to Michigan State. I went to LCC. Lived in Lansing, East Lansing area for five ish, five six ish years. Um, so just kind of carrying that thrill, real heavy being, I mean, it's always heavy, but especially when it hits home with a place that, you know, that it happens at like, you know, really well. I mean, in the Oxford high school shooting in Michigan last year, I used to live, I mean, for seven months, I lived right in between Lake Orion and Oxford 
five minutes from the school. So, I mean, that one, yeah, it hit, but it, this one was different just because I spent so much time on Michigan State's campus. I had so many friends who went to Michigan State. Um, still know people that live right close to where that was. Um, and so just the sadness of that and just seeing the, the turmoil that that place is in. And then um, what compounds that makes it even harder is that you talk about like families having to go through this two years. 15 months ago when the Oxford high school shooting was you have high school seniors who graduated from Oxford, who were in, who were in lockdown and had to walk through that of being scared for their safety in their life to then graduate high school, move away from that. And then their freshman year at Michigan state, they're going through the exact same thing all over again. I mean, going through that once in your life is enough, let alone twice. Um, it's just heartbreaking. So, yeah. but I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to Michigan. I'm going to go. Um, I had bought tickets for my dad a few days ago before this for me and my dad to go to the Michigan State-Indiana game. That looks like it's going to be the first. They're going to play Michigan at U of M on Saturday, it sounds like, um, which will be – I mean, this is the thing that I like about sports. Sports is – it's it's not everything, and it's definitely not going to be a cure, but, I mean, this is a huge rivalry between Michigan, Michigan State, basketball, but the state's going to be coming together and this is going to be a moment for healing, even in a rival that's very heated, going to be able to set that aside for the state to hopefully be able to have a moment to just kind of like recognize what happened, heal. We'll see yeah. if they play it, which I think they will. And then just show that, that common bond to face this and overcome it together. But then I'm going Tuesday night will be the first home game. And I'm, I have a lot of mixed emotions about that. Just, I, I want to be excited to go to the game at the same time. It's going to be a really somber atmosphere and just I'm gonna never would have thought I'd be going to a game when that'd be something to be having to be just faced and be feeling the weight of that in that moment that's there so I'm looking forward to it but it's still going to be it's going to be different so yeah I totally understand and I I know you've been asking those that are close to you to bathe it in prayer but you know Mm -hmm. I was praying for it already uh just stuff like that just reminds us of um i think how important what we're talking about is Mm -hmm. and really it makes me think about like what it makes me do is just pray all the more come lord jesus come and i mean that in two ways you know i mean that in come right now be be your love and be your mercy and me be your grace to those people that um this affects immediately and in, in a way that's even you, Kyle. Yeah. Um, but even more so, you know, we believe that Jesus is going to come and, and set up his kingdom of love here on earth where there'll be no more death, you know? And uh, I, I pray that prayer every day. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Um, yeah. And and in situations like this, I don't know what else to pray. Yeah. Uh, just, just that he would come and be here spiritually and be here in the, our midst and help us to be his hands and feet. If we can be out there and, and you'll be out there. So maybe you, he can use you um, to express love in that situation. And then also just pray that he would come and set up his kingdom where though things like that won't happen anymore yeah and, uh, we can look forward to that and that's so. through all this i mean that's you go through the grieving stage and even start asking like how, how do we stop this from happening it happens far too often and there's so many different ways you can look at it and talk about things to be able to fix it and 
I was thinking about that today and but then even in just kind of reflecting on things like he said fortune I want to say unfortunately is the word and I guess that's probably the right word unfortunately I think the only way that this probably does and is on his coming and when we're able to move on from this world and not be the case any longer um I mean that's kind of it sounds like a depressing way to look at it, and it kind of is because you're it means you're I don't want to just accept the way things are. I don't think God wants me to accept the way things are. I think he wants me to try and do things that I can to help to change to happen that it doesn't. But the reality is sorrow's going to be with us until that day. And mm-hmm. choosing to put my faith into knowing that that's where it's going to end. And I have the hope that someday there's gonna be no longer sorrow, but still trying to end sorrow while it's here it, it's a convoluted con- already already but not yet confusing thing is a, is a hard thing yeah and and uh we have to pray and try to be god's hands and feet until he comes and sets up his kingdom here on earth so mm-hmm. i totally get it totally get it so yeah so yeah we'll be we're be praying for the michigan state east lansing michigan community as a whole um everybody that's gone through especially those from, like I said, from Oxford and the families, not just the students, the parents who have to, they had lived through not knowing if their kids were okay yet again. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine doing that once, let alone having to do it again. And I'm not even a parent, like uh, it's just really hard. So just be praying for all those involved in that, uh, able to have healing come. Yeah. And and since we are on this podcast, you know, I ask for prayers from everyone who's listening, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, um, the more prayers, the better. I believe that God works through prayer. He works in us and he works through others um, when we pray. So uh, if you would like to join us in prayer for that, we would, uh, we would encourage that and thank you for that. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, move on into our topic here for the week then. So um, holiness. holiness, holiness is what I long for. Yep, we are getting into the topic of holiness. And this one, uh, I don't know why. I think um, I think I shared with you, um, there's a lot of gravity with this one. This one's, mm-hmm. I'm not, glory was definitely important. And even fa- I would even say that they relate to each other. And we'll talk about that at one point here, I think. But um, in general, holiness is a, a very important subject. And I, I feel like it's very misunderstood. And I take uh, very, um, I don't know, I guess I wanted to use, I want to use the word, this is a sacred topic, <laughs> you know, holiness and sacredness kind of go together. And yeah. um, I I want to say, there's no way that we can say everything today on, and on the past podcast that we say everything that's needed to be said on each topic. But, um, you know, especially today, I would say, I'm going to do my best to try to help us see what holiness means. Um, but pray and, and focus on what holiness means for you personally, for our audience and for you, Kyle. Um, you know, this is a serious subject, a sacred topic, um, that I approach with reverence before God here. Um, but, uh, I think we have some good points to, to talk through. So, um, so we're going to start with, etymology again um we've we've uh talked about what etymology means it means basically what did the word originally mean and did it change over time 
Um, and so it's really important that we get the significance of this. Um, holy is the only word that's kind of used in like a triplet format. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God mm -hmm. is stated a few different places in the scripture. Um, and we'll talk about why that is. Um, but uh, it's something that obviously is shown importance just by the fact that it's given kind of that triplet statement um, several times. Um, and, you know, holy, 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 and it, saying it three times kind of intimates, intimates a perfection of the holiness. <laughs> mm -hmm. So holy already means perfect, perfect, basically perfect something. And we'll talk about that. But saying it three times is like making sure you understand we're talking about perfection. Um, as such, it is very important uh, to understand what it means when we say that God is holy as a characteristic. Um, however, even though it's extremely important, it's still another word that is used almost exclusively in religious or theological or Christian realms. Um, or maybe other religions use it too. I'm not as familiar with other religions ground, religious ground and knowing for sure how much it's used. But it's definitely not used like in our common English language. I don't go and talk to my friends about like no. how holy a, a, a sports play is or something like that's not we're not going to use it in There's our quite common a few everyday language. Words that are like that that are kind of like the, the, Christ, the Christian words in the English translation. Like we fellowship being a big one. Like yeah, we, we use that all the time in the Christian church circle. Like right. we, you name part of your church, your church building after it, the fellowship hall, you know, right. but I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to go say, say, Chris, let's go fellowship and watch the, the <laughs> angels tigers game. Right. Nobody talks like that. Right. I'm, exactly. I'm going to go fellowship with all these other fans at the Michigan state game in, in a week. Like, <laughs> no, that's, that's weird talk, but right. and holy, I think is another one of those words that just, it's, it's distinctly a, a Christian religion word that we tend to focus on. Exactly. And so we're going to, we're going to try to dissect it a little bit today. And, and what does this word actually mean in common language? Um, so we're going to do our best to do that. Uh, but given that, you know, Kyle, you and I haven't talked about the subject at all on purpose, really. So mm -hmm. given that, let's start with you. Uh, when we say the word holy, what do you believe is being said or, or what do you what do you think it means? So for me growing up, I mean, I, it's being involved in different church circles and different aspects. I've heard lots of different ways of it going. But from my earliest understanding, what it came from, and I'll, I'll just go with that one because I can give you a lot of what it's been. But the one that was most of my life and held to was being holy was being set apart and dedicated to um when you're when we're called to be holy we're called to be set apart and dedicated to christ and to be living that out for him mm -hmm. so how did how did you feel like that worked itself out usually when you thought about holiness and and your i guess church pastor or in, in recent times i mean you shared with me like you thought you knew what it meant. Um, we did briefly talk about it, and you said, "I'm not so sure I know what you mean. What I mean it means anymore." So, what did you mean by that? And also, like, what, how did that work itself? Yeah, out? I'm I'm not exactly sure as to where you're going to go and whether or not you're going to change what what way you're going to go with the many different ways that I've heard it is kind of what I mean by that on aspect. Um, as far as it played out for me, younger and through most of my life, it's it's both a good thing, and I don't 
I don't want to say this in the sense that it was ever a bad thing, but there was a level of like, you better be holy or you're in trouble kind of a thing, or you'd be striving for holiness or otherwise you're, you're not going to be in a relationship with Christ anymore, or you need to repent this Sunday if you weren't holy this week. Um, while that was never clearly said, I think that was kind of the undertone that got taught into it, um, or at least that I felt into it, not even realizing until I was older how much I actually felt that for a long time. Um, as being older within being strive for, for holiness, and um, another word we may get to talking about this is kind of goes along with sanctification to an extent. Like, I, I, I don't know that I can ever be that but I sure want to strive for it because mm -hmm. if I am, that's me showing my side of my devotion and my love for the one who loves me. And by trying to be holy and to have that. So. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. So, I mean, uh, generally it's kind of, um, and I think what you said when you were younger is a lot of times what's thought of, it's like strictly following rules. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a reason why we come to that conclusion. Um, and then obviously when you don't obey the rules, it's like, oh no, what do I do? I got to pray and repent right away. Yeah. And, and I, this I Sunday understand. when I'm in church and there's a, there's a, there's an altar call. I have to go and right. otherwise I'm not yeah. saved anymore. That's right. that, that was that, many times growing up and mm -hmm. I was in church on Sunday. If I knew I did something bad in the week, I'm not in, I'd feel like I wasn't in a state of grace, which is again weird. I I never was clearly taught that I had to do that. It was that was never clearly said, but that's what I always kind of thought that. And I think many people that I grew up with felt the same way and thought the same way. And I'm I'm very happy with the church that I grew up in. There's a lot of things I look back on. I'm happy with my with my younger days of foundation that I was mm -hmm. raised in. But there was definitely some th gaps that were missed that led to that. Yeah. I didn't grow up I, as you did. I didn't grow up in a, in a, I guess you would call it a holiness tradition church. Yeah. Now, so um, th those who are listening don't know what that means. That's typically the holiness movement churches where would have been the ones of Wesleyan, Free Methodist, Nazarene, Church of God, um, United Brethren, kind of mm -hmm. is a little bit in that. Um, yeah. They were United Brethren kind of teeters on both sides a little bit, but. Right. And, we haven't really shared this on this podcast yet, but uh, we both of us are now um, a part of a, of a holiness tradition church. Yes. Um, and that we're a part of a Nazarene denomination. Yeah. Um, but, but, and, and both for, for clarification, going back, Chris was raised in a Baptist mm -hmm. foundation. Yeah. I married into a Baptist family, but even before I married into the Baptist family, I was already moved towards being Baptist almost. I thought I was a Calvinist for a while, but I didn't fully understand what everything Calvinism taught. And so while I claimed to live with I don't know if I'd actually ever say I ever fully got into that, but I, I mean, there was a lot of aspects of it that I definitely held on to. So like right. Chris and I both have lived through both, but he went, he came from yeah. the Bible side or the, the, the Baptist side to be, come to this. I was raised in this and then went away and then have come back in a different way. So right. just for clarification for everybody. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, I obviously knew the term holiness um, and, and holy, but, I mean, we were so focused on uh, certain phrases like once saved, always saved, and, and things like that, that I didn't, like, question Eternal my Eternal security, predestination. Yeah, but I definitely had this uh, feeling of, like, when I um, wasn't 
quote unquote holy following the rules uh, that God like hated me. You know, and we talked about this a little bit before, but we, we really shouldn't have a division between how God feels about us and Jesus feels about us. Yeah. But when I thought about holiness, I was like, oh, no, God, the Father was mad at me. Thank goodness for Jesus for protecting me from that <laughs> um, is kind of how I grew up kind of feeling like like sometimes. Um, and there's there's not a separation between God, the Father and God, the Son. It's not like God, the Father's holy and Jesus isn't. So therefore, Jesus isn't. No, no, no. They're both completely holy. Mm-hmm. And so at least that that was a struggle for me. And then it seems like from my conversations with people who've grown up in the holiness kind of tradition, traditional churches, uh, they really struggle with what you just kind of s- stated, that, that it's like, I've got to make sure I'm good. I've got to make sure I'm following these and, and the strict guidelines or I could lose my salvation somehow or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and Which, that's not... Go ahead. Just to say on, on, on an aspect to, if anybody's listening that's on either of those sides, what I know from being on both is that both sides tend to look at the other side as, I'd say the the, the holiness church side definitely tends to look probably and see the, the um, that Baptist, that, I'm just using that as a general term, there's more than just that, that, that term as being very fundamental. But mm-hmm. what I think sometimes the Baptist side doesn't realize is actually how fundamental many of the holiness churches are as well too and like that being an aspect of what things are like we're we're, we're not I, I think that a lot of times that side thinks that we're like a very liberal church mm-hmm. in our in our practice and teaching and, and we're not like there's very yeah. much a that i was taught this is right this is wrong just as much as somebody who was in a baptist church was taught this is right mm-hmm. this is wrong there wasn't right. a whole lot of difference in the way we live our lives out based on that fundamentalism aspect of things. And in some ways, the focus on holiness, I think you guys actually, um, speaking past tense, obviously obviously bridged the gap here and and joined a Nazarene church. But uh, in some ways, I would say you guys actually took right from wrong more seriously because you were so focused on holiness. Um, And so, and maybe not the, maybe not the exact best understanding of holiness, I think, which is what we're going to talk about today. But um, that emphasis caused like an extreme uh, an extreme we'll just call it an extremism on yeah doing the good works and doing doing the rules and making sure that we're following the rules so um there wasn't as much security as much yeah. maybe on the other side that had so, so when if we were straying away there was more of a fear aspect to draw us back not to say that the baptist side doesn't have a fear because i know plenty of people who lived in that who had that as well too but when you also have a little bit more of a different kind of a faith belief side of things that, Hey, I'm saved. So I'm, if I'm good, like that's, I'm, I'm okay. Where if you were from, I were, we, at least I was taught that I thought I believed that if I mess up, then there's a potential I could lose my salvation and right. that I'm not in a state of grace. So, right. yep. So, um, yeah. So th- these are just kind of some of the repercussions of how I would say, I think we misunderstand holiness. So mm-hmm. let's first start off with, what did it mean? Because actually, before the Bible's written, um, in the ancient Near Eastern context, which the Bible's written in that context for our, our audience who doesn't know what that means, basically like the surrounding nations, um, the word holy was used already. So, so um, you know, the ancient Near Eastern in their own languages, they were using words that we would translate to holy. Um, so let's let's talk about that. So first and foremost, the word was used to describe 
the gods. That's what it was used to describe. So, um, you know, yes, there's the Hebrew God, but then all the other ancient Near Eastern um, peoples, Babylonian, um, and so on and so forth, they all um, use the word to describe their gods as well. And what it really means is it, the word just meant like completely other and separate. It meant like something beyond human or natural. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's not something you're going to explain by nature. It's, you know, when you think of gods, just not not the God of Israel, not the Christian God. But when you just think of gods, you're you're trying to you're when you call them holy, you're trying to say they're they're something bigger or more powerful than us. And um, so, what would happen um, in those those contexts is um, let's talk about outside of Israel first. Um, when a god was called holy, and then you would have I mean, other nations would have priests or people who were set apart um, and they would get called holy as well. And it would be a very, it wouldn't be everybody. It would just be like, you know, the people who are working in the temples to the whatever God it is. And they were set apart then as well to communicate with that God and to be the mediator. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, the thing that made whatever God you're talking about holy um, would then be the thing that that mediator would be also supposed to be able to do in some way. So, for example, if uh, you believed that, okay, I think if I remember correctly, like Baal was considered like a sun god. Um, And so if you were a priest, you would be able, a priest of Baal, you'd be able to hopefully coax Baal and then also bring on the characteristics of Baal to bring about the sun to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if there was a rain God, right? So if you were a priest of a rain God, you would be able to bring about rain or at least be set apart to help that happen. Um, If you were like uh, a fertility God, then, you know, they would be kind of promiscuous because they're they're about fertility and that's how fertility comes about so the the thing that made them holy was yes they were completely other but then also they had certain things that they that humanity was like okay this is what this god is able to control and this is what makes them special (laughs) if you want to use the word special or unique um and then when you almost got to talk about like, what does it mean for someone to be holy in that situation? And the holiness is this someone taking on that attribute, the main attribute of that God. Um, and so when, when you um, think about holiness, it didn't mean at all um, morality or a list of rules, anything like that. Um, it just meant something completely utter or different and powerful, like unique, different, better at whatever it is that they are known to be about. That's basically what what it is. Any questions about that? Yeah, I, I think this 
the natural kind of question would be then, so in the case that God calls his priest to be revealed to us, what he considers the central characteristic. So how does our God like set us apart? Like what does he mean by sets us apart to be holy to him? So good question. First of all, it is important to note that God does not just call a few of his people priests, but rather the entire nation is told that they are priests. Um, so like, unlike these other gods, um, God himself, God, the God of Israel, um, when he comes on the scene, um, the first time the word holy is used is like with Moses and the burning bush. And he says, it's holy ground. That's literally the first ground. time it appears. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so it's like just saying it's set apart. This is holy ground. Treat this as sacred ground. Um, and then shortly later in, in Exodus, um, in the Exodus narrative, after he's brought out the Israelites, after Moses, he's used Moses and set him apart. He then says to the, the whole nation, the whole nation, now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom, a holy nation. And the, he's talking to Moses. He says, these are the words you'll speak to the Israelites. So he's he's not like, it's not like one or two. Now, if you know your Israelite history, you know that he does end up picking the Levites. But God's goal is, if you're going to be my people, I'm going to set you apart for my use. So um, for a God. My, my namesake, by the way, right there. If you know that. Oh, yeah. Priestly. There you Pri go. Priestly. And that's where it comes from. So <laughs> Exactly. So Only mine's um, L-E-Y and the biblical is L-Y. So. Right. So, so for a God to be holy, it just means he's totally different in some specific aspect and that he's, mm -hmm. he expresses his power in some specific aspect for a people or humans to be holy. It means that you're set apart to do that God's bidding and do that God's use. Like we kind of talked about before. And so when, when God goes to set apart, he sets apart the whole nation. He doesn't pick out a few. He says, I want you to the entire nation to be holy. Um, and so, Obedience is highly attached to holiness, um, as you can tell there. If you obey my voice and keep my co my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. So there's a huge aspect of obedience, and so that's probably a big portion of why um, you you grew up with that notion of like I need to make sure mm -hmm. I'm obeying. I need to make sure I'm obeying because it is an aspect of holiness. Um, so then in Leviticus. Um, this is where we get the phrase, be holy as the Lord your God is holy, stated repeatedly. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the narrative, you've got Exodus. He, pull, he brings them out of Egypt. Uh, he sets them apart as a holy nation, says, you're all going to be holy before me. And then we get the Leviticus narrative, which is, if you want to call it the rule book, it's the rule book, mm -hmm. right? It's the rule. This is this is how you're going to be set apart for me. Okay. So if we um, go by if we go by that, then that's saying that like holiness is about obeying the rules and the laws written by the Lord. If you're go going based off of what that would be saying, 
Right. If you're just going based off of like this initial at first blush, um, you could come to the conclusion that it's only about obeying the rules. That mm -hmm. that could be your conclusion. And unfortunately, I think that's been a lot of the church's con conclusion for a long time. Oh yeah. Um, and so and, and, and what's oh, I, I think not to go too far off, but just kind of like on, on a practical aspect of things, I think that that aspect of it as well too is where it's the rules that I think that we focus on doing are the don'ts, not as much the do's. Mm -hmm. does, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I, th I think when you folk, when we take this to an extreme and we follow that aspect of things, we tend to look at the, at the, the commandments and the, the rules of things of what we don't do, not the commands of what we're to do. And I think the commands of what we're to do is just as important if mm -hmm. we're going to be going that way. So, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Um, because this is at first blush, you're like, okay, so it's all about obeying rules. Um, this has become a problem, I would say, in Christianity. And even before that, it was a problem with the Jews. Mm -hmm. What happens, what typically happens, and I've seen this, I mean, you can see it in the Bible and with the Jews. And then later you can see it, you know, um, in Christianity. And, and mm -hmm. let's talk about the holiness traditions. What happens is you have these rules and you're like, well, I got to make sure that I'm obeying these rules so strictly. In fact, let's make rules on top of the rules to make sure that we're farther away from, to make sure we're so far away from possibly breaking the rule that, and now we're, now we're just strict legalism is what happens. Yeah. And you can see it in both Jewish, like that's, that's what <laughs> you, they're, they're known for it. By the time of the new Testament, you know, you've got like this, uh, and another set of laws that they've yeah. added to where like um you know the sabbath you can't even you can't even move basically <laughs> or else you're gonna right. end up violating it because they're they're so obsessed with like we can't even come close to breaking yeah. one of these rules to the and point then, that salvation isn't through grace salvation's through obedience is what right. it can turn into right and that's that's the problem so and so yeah when when you look at um when we focus at, on holiness just as obeying rules, we come across that problem. Um, we want to make sure we're so attuned with all these rules. And when we do that, we kind of miss the forest through the trees. So, um, so that's something that I would say I can understand how we get there. And yes, obedience is a part of it, but you're missing the what holiness is about if that's what we're making it solely about mm -hmm. so yeah um so if there is a danger in making obeying commands and laws the point of holiness then why were they given them in relation to holiness um is a question that i think we need to discuss yeah i think that we need to step back and understand that god is a relational god and he's portrayed as a relational God throughout um, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's about relationship. So it may be best to think of commands and laws as rules given by, almost like your rules given by a parent. Um, so like uh, when, Kyle, you've had parents. I am a parent. I've had parents. When parents set up rules, um, they try to, they're there to kind of keep us on track and to keep us from harming ourselves and others but the point is the relationships mm -hmm. that's the point of the rules my, my goal is 
I want to keep my children from harm. So I'm going to make rules that are going to keep them from harming themselves because I want to stay in good relationship with them. I want us to be able to continue in relationship. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also going to make rules that are set up to keep them from harming each other. Yeah. And that's a huge aspect of it. The main reason for the rules is because I want to maintain a proper relationship both with them and with, you know, with the other children in the household. Yeah. Um, and that that also, I mean, and that's a very clear, the parenting is the easiest way to be able to see that as far as clarity and setting that apart. But rules within friendship are much more unstated as far mm -hmm. as being to another. But I, I think friendships in general have rules. We, we don't say them. We maybe don't even like realize that they exist, but we have rules within our friendships of, I won't do that because he's my friend. And if I, if I do that, then that's going against what would be beneficial for our relationship. And you just know those that they come into play. It's, it's not as cut and dry as maybe <laughs> the parent side of things is, but relationships, no matter what type of relationship, has some form of a rule aspect to it, I believe. Yeah. So I totally agree. Basically, I think um, because, and I, I agree that in friendships, there are rules and we don't, they may not be stated. But in general, uh, the parent-child relationship, I think, is a better understanding just because God is an authority. I'm not yeah. an authority over any of my friends. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, want to yeah. be, per se. Um, but in general, um, I do. I am, by the nature of the way things are, I have authority over my children. And now, if like my children focus too closely on the rules um, rather than the point of the rules, mm -hmm. they're going to miss the mark completely. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I think this is something that literally the church and the Jews, they had this problem. Oh, we have these rules. We got to make sure we're obeying these rules and they're missing the point of why the rules are there. Um, and so, you know, it'd be like my, my child, I've, let's say I set up a bunch of rules when they're 10. Okay. Well, my goal, though, is that they're going to mature to where they don't even need those rules anymore. Right. Bedtime now, is 7.30. When they're 16, maybe not. Right. Wait, the when same. they're 16, I'm hoping they've moved past those rules and have matured to where I can help give them. Maybe I won't even have to give them rules. Or I'm giving them less rules but more mature rules. Yeah. <laughs> and rules that are now guided in that way. And we've... they we'll just use Israel here. Um, they focus so much on the law, on the law of Moses, what was given in Leviticus, that they they thought that that's how they were going to be in right relationship with God. And God's saying, mm -hmm. no, this was about relationship. Okay. Um, so let's let's talk about that. I think that this is this is really important to, to see. If you go to Leviticus and you look just at each individual rule, for one thing, you're going to see a nation that's immature. He's not giving the rules of the law of love yet. Instead, he's just moving them closer to love, kind of like the 10-year-old versus the 16-year-old, mm -hmm. right? He's not, he's, you're going to be confused because he's just moving them in the right direction. He hasn't moved them all the way. We don't get, you know, Jesus reveals, okay, these laws were pointing in the right direction, but now I'm here to bring them to the fullness, right? But secondly, if you focus on the rules, you miss the, the overall arching point of Leviticus. Um, and I, 
heard one commentator divide it like this, and I think it's very appropriate. Um, the point of Leviticus, which is given right after he says he's going to set them apart, make them holy, and then he repeatedly says, be holy as I'm holy. The point is, you could break it up into three things. Love God, atonement, and love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. That is like the point of the law and the commands and the rules. And when you see, oh, okay, so these are talking about how to love God. These are talking about sanctification or um, atonement. Um, when we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that in a minute. And then the, the last third is about how to love your neighbor. Okay, so now we can see that even in Leviticus, even though like if you look at each law and try to follow each one, you might not come to this conclusion. But if you look at the broad picture, the overall picture, the forest instead of the trees, you can see, okay, all of these are designed to show me how to um, be, love God. And then all of these are talking about sacrificial system so that there can be atonement. And then the last third is about loving God, uh, loving neighbors, lo loving your other fellow children of Israel, right? Or in, in that case, even to take a step further, the other nations outside of Israel and how they were supposed to treat them. So you've got these, the overarching point is love God, atonement, love your neighbor. So any questions about that? Yeah. So bringing in another word then that maybe we don't everybody understand the, the meaning of the word, you're saying atonement. So what is atonement? Walk me through this then. Right, right. Because obviously, probably if you've been listening to this podcast, you're not surprised. Oh, we're talking about love again, right? Yeah. But all of it, what's, so it's love God and love your neighbor, but what's this middle word atonement? Okay. So what I want to say is we're, we're, we cannot, it would take, and it may end up taking two or three podcasts <laughs> to, to fully discuss and try to break down atonement. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not going to try to do that today, but atonement basically means um, we're just going to do a basic uh, what, what it means, especially in like this, the idea of being sanctified. Okay. Um, so if we're going to, let's, if we're going to break it down to like the three steps. So the first step is the first step in holiness is to love God. That is, you know, let's, let's use the terms we've used before. That means to prefer him to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, when humans try to enter this relationship, we realize how much we have failed him. Okay. And um, so, so what happens is uh, we realize we are dirty and we need cleansing in order to be fit for a relationship with God. And I'm not saying like, that's what God says, although God does say that basically, but I'm saying that is a natural human response. We realize that when we've done wrong to someone, um, until we have forgiveness from them, we don't necessarily, <laughs> okay, think about it like, you could think about it like a spouse or a parent, and you know they've given you, uh, they, they, maybe they've given you guidelines on, on, like with a parent, maybe you know you've broken a rule, or with a spouse, maybe you know you've um, violated their trust in some way. And we naturally do not want to be in their presence. They could walk into a room and we're like, where do I hide? <laughs> now take that and then magnify it like hugely. 
All right. I think a good way and, and, and God, a lot of times God's holiness is compared to like um, a fire or light. Okay. So think of it like you're living in darkness and then something that's like pure light walks into a room or like you lived in a cave and now you're thrust out into the sunlight. And your first thought is, I, I want to get away from this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we're talking about like uh, purity, like fire, when fire is, when something's placed in the fire, what happens is it, all the impurities are burned away. Mm-hmm. And then if something that's pure love when it walks in the room and you know you've been violating what love is, you are not going to want to be in the room with them. And um, we actually started a little bit today talking about like God's goal is to bring his kingdom on earth, mm-hmm. right? So we get it backwards sometimes and we think, okay, the goal of this Christian thing is for me to leave this world. But instead, God's trying to make us ready for him coming back. Mm-hmm. And the problem is God wants to come and dwell with us. He wants to come and be with us. And we don't want that because we haven't been living a pure life. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, a we all know that we have an obligation to God, whether Christian or not. I, I truly believe this. If there is a God, we all know that we have an obligation to him because he created us. And when if if he comes, we will not want him. If we are, if we know we haven't been in the right relationship with him, yeah. As, as any child knows, if they're rebelling, they don't want their parent around because they know they've been rebelling. Like exactly, there's, there's not sanctimoniousness exactly. there. So, atonement. While we're not going to go into all the different ways that this happens today, atonement simply means uh, is simply the means by which God gives us to cleanse ourselves from past sins and make us ready for his use. It conveys the forgiveness of the forgiveness God has for us and cleanses our conscience of past sins. Mm-hmm. Um, this in turn readies us for God's use. So um, the, and this is important to understand because this is what makes um holiness and Christianity different than every other religion. Okay. And specifically the sacrificial system. Okay. Other nations did sacrifices. Okay. But when they did sacrifices, what they thought they were doing was they thought that they were giving them to appease their God, uh, make sure that make them not angry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead um the atonement um what makes it different in christianity is that god gives it to us um so like for example leviticus 17:11 for the life of the flesh is in the blood and i have given it to you to make atonement for your souls upon the altar for it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. And if you change the word, let, let's just do it here just for the practice of it. To cleanse yourself. To look at when you see the word atonement, think cleanse yourself. Mm-hmm. So for the life of the, of, of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you to cleanse your souls upon the altar. 
for it is the blood that cleanses your soul. So instead of it being us giving it to God to appease God, instead it's God giving it to us so that we can cleanse ourselves. And the important of that is, is that that's what makes us able to be used by God. Um, we don't feel like we're fit for use if we're dirty. And you could even do that like in, in very practical terms. Like I'm not going to use a dish if I haven't cleaned out the dish and then made it ready for my guests, right? Yeah. A cup or a bowl. Um, and in the same way, God says, I'm going to cleanse you and I'm going to provide the cleansing agent for you and it's atonement. Um, and so that aspect of it is not thought of at all in any other sacrificial system in the ancient world, but in, in the Christian faith and in the Jewish tradition, what's happening is God is giving us the cleansing agent to make us prepared for his use. Okay. Um, and so in Leviticus, the last section is all rules on how to better love neighbors. So if you look at it, the first section is about how to love God. The second section is then about atonement, the sacrificial system. And the, to be fair, the whole every every section has a, has sacrifices in it. But you know the central, the day of atonement, for example, is in that middle section. And then the last section then is love your neighbor as yourself. So it, it, in fact, you probably didn't know this, Kyle. I could be wrong. But that the second half of the great commandment that we talk about mm -hmm. in <laughs> it, the first it time it's mentioned. Yeah. Yep. The first time it's mentioned is Leviticus 19.18. I didn't know it was Leviticus, but I didn't know that it was not as new as... It kind of, I, I don't know that necessarily everybody really thinks that deep in it, but I think the natural thing is because, oh, God's giving a new command. Like, well, it's really a command that he said all along. We just misunderstood how we do it. All right. Along. So, yeah. So the love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's a part of the Shema. So that's, that's earlier. But the first time that love your neighbor as yourself, you know, when Jesus says these are the two greatest commands, he's taking one from the Shema, and then he's also adding this mm -hmm. second half of Leviticus. And it's literally, it, it's it's ripped right out of the second half of Leviticus, which helps us see, okay, this is about loving neighbors. And so what, we're, what God is saying um, is, okay, so remember how earlier when we said a priest is supposed to be able to do what the God does on his behalf. So like if, if you're a priest for a rain God, you're supposed to be able to make it rain, right? Mm -hmm. So God's saying, what defines me as holy is love. That's what defines me as holy. When I set you apart, I give you rules, and those rules are how to love me and how to love your neighbor. So... And I'm going to cleanse you so that you know that we're in right relationship so that you're ready to be used. And when I go to use you, how am I going to use you? Love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Do you see the, do you see how that worked? So like if the other gods are defining themselves by I'm the one who provides rain and another one's I'm provide, I'm the one who provides fire and sunlight. 
And another one's I'm the one who provides fertility. And so you can have babies. God's saying the way I want you to find me is holy. The way the place where it's repeated over and over again is Leviticus. Yeah. And when you understand that Leviticus is about loving God and loving your neighbor, then what, what the natural conclusion is God's saying to do this because he is this. So what God, when God defines himself as holy, he's defining himself as someone who loves humanity. Yeah. So this might put you in the spot here a little bit with this question, Chris. So part of the conversation we just had about it being back. Now, for me, what's, there's a little bit of confusion that's in that is because what Christ says in uh, John 13, 34 and that's the new command. So he's saying, so now I've given you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. What's the new part there? Hey, that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess you could say um, if it, he hasn't said it in that exact term, although basically saying be holy as I am holy is saying that, uh -huh. but he hasn't said specifically love as i have loved um we were talking about this the other day like uh i don't remember when but you know you could almost repeat that um the second half of the command is as love your neighbor as yourself as i love you just as i have loved myself and i'm saying if god had said that because we, mm -hmm. we started the first episode establishing that god loves himself He's a triune God, and he's doing that. And so now he's saying, look, if I haven't made it clear enough <laughs> by saying, be holy as I am holy, yeah, then let me make it even clearer. I want you to love the way that I have loved. Yeah. Um, and so that that's, if we're breaking it down, then that's what we're talking about. Um, is we're talking about the fact. Go ahead. Sorry, I, you there. I think that's... I think probably what he's saying, the new part, is it's not new that I've said this, but it's new in that I haven't given you the like this clear example that you now have of me laying down everything that I have, including my life, and showing you that complete sacrificial love. So the new is more the you now see it in the yeah. example that I'm giving. Like th This isn't a new thing for you to do, but a new command of you seeing what I've done is for you to do this as well too. love each other that much as I right. love you. And when Jesus would have said that he wouldn't have gone to the cross yet, but Jesus knows fully well, he knows what's coming. <laughs> he, well, he knows what's coming and he also yeah. knows how he's already treated them. Right. I guarantee you that they, they were like, why is okay. For example, um, I'd have to look at the narrative to see, but like Jesus was washing their feet that night when he said that. Yeah. Um, in the, in the John narrative, like, what master rabbi, <laughs> you know, in the Jewish context is going to go around washing our feet. Yeah. So when he says that, he's like, you have seen how I treat you and how I love you. So while you thought maybe you understood, maybe they understood this, maybe you did, maybe they didn't, maybe they got lost in the rule keeping that we talked about before. But uh, Jesus can say with full confidence, he's lived in front of them and lived out love. And so he can say, not, not just abstractly here, but the way you've seen me practically love you, I want you to go and do that to others. 
Um, yeah. So, um, and, and then when we talk about that, you know, let's, if it's all right, let's transition to the new Testament a little bit. Um, remember how, when Jesus comes, we've talked about this before, but when he comes and he says that he's bringing the law to its telos, we talked about this. He's changing all the laws to love. Mm -hmm. And then he gives the great command, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets, basically saying all the Old Testament, fall on these two commands. And so even what I'm saying is if the Jews had understood it, it was already there in Leviticus. What had happened was he had branched it into those three things. The atonement aspect is omitted in the New Testament command, but that's because we, we know why. Why, why would the atonement aspect be omitted in the New Testament, Kyle? Because it's the, 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 the love is replacing the need for the sacrifice, like the actual physicalness of like, well, the curtain was torn. Like, I mean, that's okay. the curtain was torn, but why was the curtain was torn? Jesus was going to provide was, atonement. Correct. Yeah. The sacrificial system wasn't going to be needed anymore. He was going to do away with it. He literally became the sacrifice. He became what cleansed us. Yep. He became God's God saying, I am making you clean. Yeah. His blood is now on us. And if the life is in the blood, his life covers our death and the fact that we deserve death. And he's cleansed us to be used for his purposes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's, 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 it's a big, it's, I think we, we can easily diminish that at how big that is though. Like, like I, I think we, I think we all say it's big and we know that it's big, but like that actual taking the moment to actually like grasp that and to really meditate on that, to realize how much of a thing that was for us. We've always said it in our lifetime of this has been the case, but for a culture that had not, for them to go from a system where you had to have a sacrificial and go be forth in an order of things and it not be, Hey, I'm readily here for you at all times. That's a huge thing for them to experience yeah. disciples to go through not having to have that aspect that they would have grown up with the entire time. Yeah. I think that's, it's really easy for us to, we know it's big, but we, we know it's big because we've been told it's big. But when you put yourself in the shoes of what it was like for the disciples and for anybody before Christ, how much of a, wow, I don't have to do that anymore. Like yeah. there's freedom in that of, I love this person. I want to do what they have told me to do and to live the way that they've set an example for me to live. Exactly. Um, so holiness um, being described in the, that threefold way, when you take into account that now God has, God in Jesus has provided that aspect, all of a sudden it frees us to do it without having to worry about the cleansing aspect because we can remember it in the cross. And I think that that's why the ordinances, which are baptism, which is reminding you of a cleansing of atonement, and the Lord's Supper, which is taking of, it's to remind us we're clean. We've been cleansed 
of our past sins and we are set apart for God's God's use now. And what is God's use to love humanity, to love our neighbors as ourselves? Yeah. So so if holiness is described as God being the perfect love, can we rightfully make holiness God's central attribute? Um in one sense you could say you could say that. Mm-hmm. Um but in another sense you, I, I really think we should guard against it. So, and let me explain what, what I mean by that. Um, because holiness means set apart, um, we've had a tendency to think of God as, when, when we say his, it, we may not even say his central attribute is holiness, but when we, I think sometimes we have made the mistake in church history of thinking that holiness is a central attribute. And if you stop there with just holiness means set apart, completely different, then you have a God who is focused on his otherness and who yeah. would stay far away. You're coming up short on what the actual term means. In well, general anyway. you're not necessarily coming short on what the team, term means, but you're, you're not understanding um, what... God is saying it means that he's holy when, when he says he's holy. And instead you're just taking the term by itself rather than taking it to, Oh, this is how he's holy. Right. Maybe in terms, not the right, how it plays out more. Mm-hmm. What I would say behind that. So if, if God were just, if God's center was just the fact that he's set apart, um, then he would never move towards us. Right. Right. He would never, he would just be like, all right, find your way to me. Yeah. Right. Um, which we would never be able to do. Right. Right. Uh, but sometimes we treat God that way. It's like, we think he's so holy. For example, the way that this is manifest sometimes, and it, it's a common saying in, in churches um, that I've heard anyways, they'll say, well, God is so holy. He can't be in the presence of sin. That's okay. C- that's that's kind of like you're playing. Yeah. Go ahead. You're playing, a, you're, play, you're playing a word game there of well, can God make a rock big enough? He can't move. Like, oh. <laughs> right. But that's not that's not what's going on, um, because, um, and 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 people have thought that that's that's a true statement. Have you heard that statement before, Kyle? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And people have made it same like, like that has to be true, and so therefore. Um, God's central attribute is holiness, and so He is—he's in need of like appeasement, of yeah. because He's so angry at our sin and and things like that. Um, life, in general, though, the life of Christ speaks completely against that. I mean, if that was the case, Christ constantly was putting Himself in the position of being with those that were in that. And so, if that was the case, Christ wouldn't have been holy because He mm-hmm. wouldn't have. So been able to if, if you're if you're going to hold to that being true like that that wouldn't have been what Christ was doing and that's exactly what he did he 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 went away from the place that we would say as being holy the temple and things and he went into the worst parts of society to be with people and to witness right. to them right and, so so if the point of holiness is that he set apart then that would have been correct yeah but. If the what makes what if God God defines what makes him holy is his love, and love pursues. Love goes into sin, 
It goes into people that are sinful and loves them anyways and pursues them anyways. And that is a distinctive. So what makes God holy is love, not what makes God love is that he's holy. Mm -hmm. And so I would say love is still the center. Love is what makes him holy. And, and here's the, here's the thing about it. This is played out in churches as well. Oh, and the Jews, because if you get this backwards, what'll happen is you think, okay, my job is to be set apart for God. And what that means is I got to follow all his rules mm -hmm. and I'm set apart. Ex I'm different. I'm special. Excommunicate myself from those who are different than me. And exactly. And now we're creating barriers and we're not letting think, think about the times, think about Judaism and how they tried to keep the other nations out. Yeah. Or think about Christian churches when we get this us versus them mentality. I, I and think we're like, we're the holy ones. Yeah. And if you want to come in, all right, you got to make your make your way to us, but we're not going to make our way to you. Yeah. Because the church on both apart. the church on both sides of and and I think every school of thought, the church of Christ has done this throughout the last 2000 years of history and it's gone in waves where it's 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 less and more at different times where things are. The where, where we were with the crusades that was not obviously holy but they were doing it in the name of holiness yeah, right because they that's the things and i think i think we see that like a lot right now in our culture here in our country we have a lot going on with um throw a hot term out there and say christian nationalism being a thing and that that term can mean so many different things so please understand what i'm saying that that I'm, I'm i'm being very broad here and what many people take the term christian nationalism to mean and what i take it to mean what somebody else means can be so many different things but at the term of it being us being completely right and everything right now is a big part that's being pushed, I think, in our Christian church within the country. Not just not say all of it, or even I don't even say most of it. But there's a lot that's happening right now, and it's focusing on the wrong side of holy. They think they're being holy by trying to set apart and say we're going to make this, and it's not because you're not doing right. it in love. You're doing it in I want to be right. Right. So so we think if we make. What I want to be careful about is if we say that holiness is God's center and we think that means being set apart, what naturally happens is we think, okay, so I need to separate myself from all the people who aren't living by God's rules because I need to keep myself clean and pure. Yeah. And instead, if holiness is defined by love, then what, what separates us is the fact that we literally are going to run to the people who, right. who don't have God and don't have don't have a right relationship with God and who therefore we might call them dirty. But it's be it's because love has a heart for those people. Yeah. And so it's literally the polar opposite. And just as God is not the God who says, I'm set apart and come and make your way to me, instead he's saying, I'm gonna cleanse you and I'm gonna come and join you. Yeah the same exact thing is what we as the church should be doing. Yep. We should be going out and reaching those who are lost and those who um, are hurting and those who we may say they live a dirty lifestyle. But like you said, look at what Jesus did. Yeah. It's exactly what he did. Or look what he did for us. We miss it. That's what he did for yeah. us. Like if you want to look at it 
just just in like the Christian realm, we were sinners, we were dirty, and God says, I still want a relationship with you. Don't run from me. Don't run from me. I'm going to give you an atonement so that I can cleanse you. And then in the New Testament, he says, I'm going to come make my home in you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. So literally, he's saying, I love you and I want you to love me. And then I'm going to use you to spread my love to the rest of humanity. That's what holiness is, because yep. that's that's what God says makes him holy. Yeah. And, and so that... he's done that for us, and we are called to go and do that. What does he say at the end? The Great Commission, right? <laughs> go, go and make disciples of all nations. Preaching of all nations, and... right? He's saying, and... go and go and spread my love. Go and spread my love. And so holiness. Um, uh, here's a good quote from John Wesley. If there's anybody in church history that got this, John Wesley seemed to get it. He said, "Holiness is neither more nor less than pure love." Love expelling sin and governing the heart and life of a child of God. And what that means is, if we define it by anything else, we're gonna get we're gonna get ourselves in trouble because we're gonna try to say, okay, we got to be this, and that's gonna separate us from everybody. But love runs to those who need love. Yeah, and, and that's what love does. does it doesn't I think it doesn't stop running after it either, which can a lot of times be hard for us as we think that well, I've. I've tried to reach this person who I feel is away from from the relationship with with Christ, and I need to be pulling them out. But they're not; they're continuing to do that, and I I need to just stop and let them completely go on their own. And that's not just like Christ doesn't stop chasing after us. We shouldn't stop chasing after them, and still constantly trying to build a relationship just because mm -hmm. they're in a place that's not where we want them to be in that we stop trying to do that and to make that happen. Right. And it's not just, I use the example of Jesus serving the disciples and washing their feet. It's not just, um, it is verbal, but it's not just verbal. It's also literally loving them as in preferring them to ourselves. So we put oh, their yeah. needs in front of ours. We serve them. Service is attached to that. That's why uh, some, some churches have gotten this right. A lot of churches like, Themes is love God, love others, and serve both. That's because service is love and action. Yeah. Um, that's actually our church's um their the primary saying that they have. I can't remember what, what it's called, but it's the love God, love others, and serve both. Service is love and action. And if we're not serving, they're not gonna listen to us. But we right. pursue the relationship, but we pursue it while loving because that's what God does. I think there are plenty of times that just telling people the story of, I'll say the, use the term the gospel, just because that's kind of a generic term to go at. While that's, I mean, many different, I'll just use that as a term for what it is, sharing the gospel and the news of Christ. There are times that simply sharing it can be overwhelming to overcome somebody to come to relationship with Christ. But I'd venture to say more often than not, especially within our culture, them hearing that's not going to be what's going to have somebody come into relationship with Christ. It's going to be seeing the fruits of the spirit lived out and you doing these things of you loving God, serving, loving God, uh, loving God, loving others and serving both. When that serving comes out, that's going to be 
showing that holiness and having them be a reason to be drawn to what you are telling them. Exactly. And so, yes, our love for God is going to cause us to do away with sin, but it's also going to cause us to pursue others because we love them. Um, And if that aspect is missing, then you can say, well, I've made myself clean. But, you know, when, when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, you know, you've learned to clean the in- outside of the dish, but the inside of the dish is still dirty. Still filthy, yeah. And, and then he talks about, you know, you strain out a, a gnat, but you've neglected the more weightier things of the law. And what is he talking about? He's talking about mercy mm-hmm. and forgiveness. And so what happens is we end up trying to follow the rules and we miss the fact that what God has set us apart for is to love others. That's the last piece of the puzzle is, okay, I've set you apart for my use. Um, I've told you, you're, you're in a loving relationship with me. I've cleansed you. And now that you're clean, I want you to go love others. That's mm-hmm. the third third aspect of it. And it, somehow we miss that. Um, and so that's why I would be careful to try to say holiness is the center of the attribute. It's the central attribute. I would say love is still the central attribute, but it's what makes God God holy. It's what makes him morally perfect. What makes God morally perfect is that he always acts in love. That's the definition of moral perfection. Yeah. And so, and 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 then then we get that statement, you know, Sermon of the Mount again. When he's done saying it, he says, Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Implying all these laws that I just changed to be the law of love god already does that and now you need to do that with your neighbor with with those around you so So going back to what we talked about in the last episode with mike in glory are these two things do they collaborate with each or correlate with each other absolutely so what's interesting is like that phrase holy 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 is the lord god almighty um, it's followed up by the phrase, the earth is filled with his glory. It doesn't mm-hmm. say the earth is filled with his holiness. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. So I I heard some pastors say, and I think this is completely accurate, like if holiness is the inner attribute, you remember that phrase that we just talked about, what Jesus said to the, he says, clean the inside and the outside will be clean as well, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that same kind of premise. Holiness, if holiness is the fact that he's to his core um, completely morally perfect, meaning that he's perfect love at all times, right? Yeah. Um, Then when that is displayed, that's the glory. So he's, he's holy, holy, holy. He's perfect in love, completely perfect. And when that's displayed... It's displayed all over creation, and that's his glory, is when he's, his perfect love is displayed. At least that's that's how I work it out. Um, yeah. And so, yes, they're, they're interlinked. Because we said last week that when God, what makes God glorious is his love, right? And we talked about, like, Mike, Mike gave us the definition of when his love is revealed. So the holiness is the inner part of it. Maybe the, when it's not revealed, but whenever it's revealed, it's glory. It's his glory. 
Yeah. Um, so. So, so t- tying this into, um, we talk about song and kind of be able to um, meditate on this topic and what the words we've read say. And I think music is a great way to help you kind of center and think on that. And there's lots of songs that can say the words that we say. Um, this song is actually one of my favorite contemporary Christian worship songs that's ever been written. Um, it, it very much could be my favorite um, one. It's a, uh, it's somebody of a Crowder and it's called Holy Yours. Um, and go listen to it. Um, it's the, the, the thing I love about the song is it's him using the term Holy W H O L L Y. And then H O L Y being, I want to be holy, holy, like you are. I want to be holy. Yours is what he's saying is, is the, is the call on there. And the, the bridge that I love so much is because the music hits it so powerful and the words just are so perfect in that. And I think you'll like this Chris as well too, is, but the harder I try, the more clearly can I feel the depth of our fall and the weight of it all. And so this might could be the most impossible thing, your grandness in me making me clean. I think he's changing the word grandness to be what we're talking about in here. He's not using that exact word there, but that grandness is that holiness Holiness. making me clean and cleaning the inside of me to be out. And while I keep on struggling and I'm feeling the weight of everything going on, and I keep on trying, I keep on coming back to you as your holy to keep on making me clean, even though I keep on struggling with the fall and everything that comes through it. Gotcha. Great song. I love that song. Yeah. Um, song that comes to mind for me, um, is I don't think the word holy is even, um, even in this one, but because of what we just talked about and being God's love, um, being what's defining in his holiness and that being worked out through acts of service, what, what comes to my mind is a song called we bring the kingdom come by jason gray um the chorus goes like this we bring the kingdom come with every act of love jesus help us carry you alive in us your light shines through with every act of love we bring the kingdom come and it's the general premise that we just talked about god wants to come and dwell with us and to do that he is he is sharing his love and it's so his kingdom coming is him coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And how do we bring him, bring him to the world by committing acts of service. And what I really like about that song is um, he only gives, a, you can only give a couple of examples in a song, but his examples are like forgiving and then serving those around yeah. you. That that's like his examples in the song. And so it's like a very practical of we're set apart to bring his kingdom. We're set apart as his priests. And the way that we do that is we love. And that's how we bring the kingdom come. And that's also how we are holy and set apart is by doing that. So, yeah, good stuff. Good episode, Chris really enjoyed this, this topic of, uh, the word holy holiness and what it is um 
what are we talking about next week? So next week we're going to dive into um, grace and truth. We're going to talk about grace and truth. And specifically, we're going to um, basically talk about what does it mean that when the Gospel of John talks about Jesus becoming flesh, and the first thing that he says is he is full of grace and truth, and how that relates to love. Okay. So make sure to tune in next week for us as we uh, discuss this. Uh, make sure if you are not already subscribed, you click on that like and subscribe button uh, for YouTube and uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you're subscribing. Uh, if you hit the bells for notifications, that makes it so you know when we pop up and you don't miss an episode. Uh, if you have comments that you want to share and have a conversation, make sure you post them. And uh, we look forward to coming back next week and uh, discussing this more. So absolutely. Yeah. For listening. That's absolutely. Yeah. We'd love any comments and any interaction, obviously sharing and everything would be great, but I'm anxious for interaction. Mm -hmm. Like, like more comments so that we can discuss and, and hear your thoughts as well. So absolutely. All right, Chris. Well, good week. We will uh, catch you next week for grace and truth. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks everybody. Thank mm-hmm. you.